Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Back again, Dr. D's Social Network with another solo cast. I'm feeling these solo casts and doing these. And this is probably going to be a big portion of what I do as we head into the future with the podcast. Still going to be doing interviews, uh, but a little more selective of the interviews and uh, really feel like we're finding the groove here. And uh, big update here. We're closing in on 9,000 downloads a month. Specifically, it just checked. Uh, we're at 8.83, 8,800 uh, plus downloads uh, a month, which is record high for the show. So thank you, everyone, for continuing to listen. I think we're even having better content, uh, more things you care about, which are really important. And uh, we're really going to focus on a lot of health and wellness-based stuff. That's my industry. I know that's universal appeal to a lot of people. And in the interviews, we'll spend a lot of time with different areas. Um, so make sure you uh, keep checking out the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Dr. D Social Network, and let's keep pushing ourselves towards this 9K, 10K number. But what I wanted to talk to today, first and foremost, is about ask the question, why do you want to live longer? And I've really been thinking about this, and this leads into some interesting conversations about immortality and things of that nature and longevity. Um, but ask yourself this question, why do you specifically want to live longer? Now, we know, and uh, it's funny, some people think we're, that uh, aging is a disease uh, that is curable. And uh, listen, I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do know um, is that I think it's it's fraught with not a lot of nuance in the conversation about what it means to live longer and what that looks like. And then even further along, if humans were able to at some point uh, achieve kind of a genetic immortality, the consequences of that, I think we just want, we want, we don't think about consequences. I'm definitely a big consequence guy. I like to think about the different scenarios. Certainly I can't predict what will happen, but I think it's important to ask different questions. And again, I'm a big spectrum of possibilities guy person. I like to look at a lot of different options and not limit my options per se. So when looking at why do I want to live longer? Why do you want to live longer? Let's take a deeper dive into it. One, I think on a larger situation, this is just uh, observational. This is, there is no... Uh, research related to this that I'm giving you, but I just think on the kind of the 30,000 foot view is that people have a large fear of dying. Uh, so living longer is, an ex is extending or putting off the idea of death, which especially in American society, we have a very difficult time accepting this reality, even though this reality happens around us constantly. Um, it's the unknown, the uncertainty of what happens when you die. Um, there, obviously there's lots of thoughts and things about this, uh, but I think the extension of life certainly, I think, plays heavily into the conversation about death and the certainty of death, because death is certain, but there's a fear about that certainty, but a fear also about the uncertainty of what happens after. 
So that's kind of a, a larger look, kind of, again, a speculation in my mind. This is not uh, empirical evidence, double-blind studies, whole thing about this is my opinion related to that. But I do, I do have a strong conviction that uh, it's really about uh, not understanding, I mean, not, not understanding, but a larger idea about fear of death and dying and what that means. So as we go down on this living longer, it's interesting uh, why people actually want to live longer when the majority of our population doesn't want to or has difficulty or has barriers or obstacles uh, to actually living healthfully. Uh, during that healthfully, I always don't like terms like that, but living in a way that you're more functional, um, you're good mood regulation, you're able to do the activities that you want to do, be, be able to be productive, all these different things. Uh, also not having a myriad of chronic diseases, things of that nature, orthopedic issues. Um, living longer is essentially pointless. If the majority of that long-lived life is spent in tremendous pain and dysfunction, um, and, and on a simple term, not quality. If it's all about the quantitative aspect, I'm not sure many people I know want to be part of a quantitative long-lived life with a lot of pain associated with that. So, But we do know that there's a combination of genetic, environmental, and lifestyle factors. And we also know that lifestyle plays a gigantic portion uh, in terms of staving off or delaying chronic disease in human beings. Obviously, there's a big genetic factor, and some people can do have a lot of uh, poor practices in the wheel of health and wellness and still live to be long. That in the spectrum of possibilities, that is a true statement. There are, there are people that exhibit that. On the majority uh, with people, lifestyle is a very large factor with that. And I would say that a big reason uh, to live longer would be to live longer in a quality lifestyle that allows you to be functional, have a lot of functional capacity and be productive during that time uh, in both physically and cognitively uh, with that. So the question is, how are we actually gonna get people to take this seriously? Because I'm always very skeptical of people who wanna live to be 100 years old. And people say, I'm gonna be 100. First of all, you don't know that. You have no clue if that's possible for you. And certainly it's probably not possible on a majority if you're not attacking the different levels and components of being well for that. So this is a disconnect is to wanting to live to be really, uh, to be much older, but not doing the things necessary to contribute to that lifestyle wise. This doesn't mean just exercising well. And again, I've said this before, exercise is different than physical activity, is different than movement. You have to know what you're actually entering into in order to uh, actually meet the demands or the needs of what you're looking for, what you want to get out of it. If you're not willing to meet those needs or desires or guidelines, you're not willing to sleep well or make the effort to have better sleep practices, you're not willing to have more reasonable nutritional practices uh, that work for you, you're not willing to build positive relationships and lower the stress in your life, so on and so forth, then you cannot have a great expectation that you will live to 100 years old. Listen, you're trying to change what is essentially the morbidity window. And I want to talk a little bit about this. There's compression of this window and things of that nature. But 
we know on average humans have about 51 years of healthful, um, physically um, capable living for that. And you think that's really not much time. I'm 45. And statistically, I have six years left of healthful, productive uh, living where I'm where I'm not in essentially in the morbidity window. OK, so this window is essentially a window that where the onset of chronic disease, orthopedic issues becomes a real issue and can become a long term or lifelong issue for you. Right. And so this morbidity window we know is extended. Uh, well, healthful living is extended in people like octogenarians. We know through different things in blue zones, different studies that uh, diseases of age are delayed into much longer. So instead of having a chronic disease or um, metabolic, orthopedic, all types of different diseases, earlier in that window, they are much later. They are staved off much later, either through genetics, uh, which is a small percentage of people, uh, but honestly, primarily through lifestyle and behaviors for that. So wanting to live for a long time is one thing, but wanting to live for a long time and doing the activities and the lifestyle factors that contribute to that uh, is another thing. Again, if you're uh, just listening in, or maybe you fast forward a little bit to different parts here, let me recap here. I think the larger 30,000 square foot view, a 30 square foot, 30,000 foot view is that we have a real fear of dying, a real fear of talking about dying, even though this is 100%, 100% gonna happen. I'm sorry to everyone out there that thinks we're gonna conquer this. That's not happening anytime soon. If you're alive in this time, it is not happening anytime soon. Just not. We're terrible at predicting the future. Humans suck at predicting the future. And uh, I think that we are just, we struggle with thinking these things are gonna be in this lifetime for that. This is something that I think is so incredibly difficult to conquer at this point that we need to have acceptance uh, that you are not in the lifetime currently more than likely where uh, we're going to conquer aging and you're gonna live forever. But that's another that's another conversation because uh, the conversation about immortality is also a very interesting one because I surmise that most people could not handle being alive forever. I mean, think about it. You want to be in a shitty job for 100 years? You hate your job. You might say, well, I'll go do other things. Will you? Will you? We live in a very non-proactive-based society. Okay? So to think that the majority of people would spend immortality doing all these different exciting things, I'm going to call bullshit on that. I think that's not normal human behavior for that. So I think it's it actually would not be as exciting as you think it would be. Uh, but I think that you would probably put things off more than, say, oh, I need to do this tomorrow. What if there were just no tomorrows or just extended? You may put more things off for doing that. Uh, think in your life. Think about the most proactive, on top of things people you on top of thing people you ever met in your life. It's probably a very small percentage of people. Those people will thrive with immortality. The majority of the population probably would not thrive with immortality. So this is the life you have. This is the existence that you have. This is what you're going to get. Who knows if you're going to be 100? Who knows if you're going to be 50? Who knows if you're going to be 40 or 60 or whatever it is? Point is, all that matters is what you have now. And what you have now is the opportunity to take advantage of being physically, mentally, socially, spiritually, environmentally, occupationally well. You have the opportunity. 
I'm certainly understanding that there's certain there's different uh, factors related to socioeconomic statuses, um, trauma, and all those things. Totally get that, and these are valid concerns. But we we are at a time where humans can think more about their place in the universe and what they want to do with them li their lives. And life has been extended. If you look a hundred years back, our life expectancy was considerably shorter. It's much larger now. But we also have the more opportunity to develop chronic diseases through this morbidity window. So how you live your life, the quality of your life until you pass away is critically important. Right? Again, there's a lot of factors with that, but ask yourself this question as I summarize again, why do you wanna live longer? Why do you wanna be 100? Why do you wanna be 90? Really search the answers for that. It's probably a large part of fear of dying, uh, not wanting to lose other people in your life or be gone from living. Totally get it. I, I understand that feeling completely. But in order to have the best possible life you can have uh, with the life extension, participate in activities that are going to help you actually extend your life. And we know that, especially things like exercise, specifically exercise, adding a stimulus that's greater than what you're used to is an extremely valuable and potent uh, version of life extension. It just is. You can't tell, you can line 20 people up and you say, hey, is exercise good for you? They'd all agree that it was. And the person who disagreed that it was not good for you, that would that'd be one of the most insane things to hear. I'm not saying we don't hear insane things. We definitely do. But the majority of humans know that this is good for you. The disconnect is getting people to do it on a regular basis based off of their circumstances, situations, and life geography, the whole thing. So ask yourself a question, why do you want to live longer? And really confront that. And I'd love to hear your answers. Actually, when I post this on LinkedIn, I'd love to hear uh, why you want to live longer um, and some of the things you're doing to help you uh, in the process of having a quality life. All right, next thing we're going to talk about is the cardio versus weights debate. And uh, Alex Hutchinson, Hutchinson of Sweat Science, uh, I've been following for many, many years uh, in his Sweat Science, um, I guess, platform through Outside Magazine, which has been around forever and uh, has some really good articles. It's really focused on running. Um, and as a former uh, track and field athlete, I'd love to keep up with different running based research technologies. And if you know anything about the shoes, running shoes are crazy now. The world records are falling like constantly, which is very rare in track and field. That's another argument, but these super shoes, I think there's some contribution in that related to um, world record times and things. Because these times are insane that I'm seeing in track and field, especially that I've seen um, in the Grand Prix meets, Diamond League, collegiate championships, again, whole other thing. Uh, but there's always been a debate about cardio versus weights. It's better to do cardio first, better to do weight training, better to just do one or do the other. And there's some interesting research. I know there was some at uh, ACSM that discussed this. Um, and Alex himself, I think, has written a book about this. Um, and really, the results of this, I think, are pretty mixed and but also fairly obvious that uh, you're going to get a certain amount of positive percentage increase in your cardiorespiratory 
um, fitness by doing cardiovascular exercise regularly. And then you're going to increase your muscular strength endurance by doing uh, external resistance-based exercise, a certain percentage, I believe it was like 15 to 20% one and, you know, 20, 25% the other off a little bit on those percentages here. And if you do both, it's better. I mean, it seems pretty obvious that if you're incorporating uh, various different training techniques, energy system work in your program, it's going to be better for that. I, I've never been a proponent of kind of a singular training mindset of uh, just doing cardio, right? This is kind of, I call this the runner, the runner problem. And listen, I grew up around runners. I was a collegiate athlete, pretty decent collegiate athlete, track and field athlete, and I was around tons of distance runners all the time. And kind of this stigma around distance runners, just constant running, not a lot of external resistance, uh, certainly not a lot of uh, stability, mobility work, just a huge zest for running, right? I would never be a proponent of just doing that. While there's a lot of uh, healthy benefits to running regularly, um, just running does not meet the demands of the different energy systems that we're working on in order to have a more holistic uh, of uh, benefit of physical wellness for that. I'm not into people who are just bodybuilding, just lifting and doing zero cardiorespiratory endurance. That makes zero sense to me. Um, and then to have zero stability, mobility work, that literally makes no sense to me. It's extreme, just as extreme as just running only or just doing yoga only. Uh, I am a big proponent of challenging all the different energy systems with different modalities different training methodologies and techniques to have a more well-rounded uh, program, to have a superior cardiorespiratory endurance, superior muscular strength and endurance, excellent uh, stability and mobility, to be able to do more complex exercises, add that external resistance uh, for that. Uh, I think these are important components, aspects to that. Um, and I think we're seeing that the importance of a more holistic training program that is not focused on just doing cardio, just doing resistance training, uh, that the more training that you add in different modalities looks is better, but there's also a diminishing return aspect. I know a lot of people I speak to as well, and colleagues, you know, we're all exercisers, you know, we're doing different activities and things, but it's part of our lifestyle but there is a diminishing return. Uh, this is not new information. In fact, I remember when I was going through my uh, undergraduate studies and we would look at research from the University of Michigan actually a long time ago, and these were two-a-day workouts. And I remember the two-a-days were very popular when I was a collegiate athlete. And what we learned from swimmers in this research uh, for that, and um, again, I'm not sure about the reproducibility of this in other areas. I'd have to look into the research about it, but see that doing these two-a-day workouts actually is a point of diminishing returns. You're not getting the extra results or performance improvement from this massive amounts of volume for that. So I'm a proponent of a very smart training. And honestly, if you're in incredible um, fitness, you have a high level of fitness and the different components, you actually don't need to train that much. You don't need to you don't need to spend hours and hours of a gym. It's mostly a waste of time. Maybe you just like doing it, but real targeted, specific, get the work done. Uh, and the other aspect is you've created a tremendous uh, machinery 
a residual machinery over time as well. You don't have to put in so much time if you're at a higher level of fitness for that. So um, obviously I get it. It's part of a routine if you really enjoy it and you love it. Uh, but you may be experiencing diminishing returns with, with the volume aspect with it. So summarizing uh, results are still pretty mixed in general. Uh, but I think we know intuitively and what we've seen uh, is that a combination of the two and adding in other elements as well is going to be very beneficial uh, on the larger uh, scope of things. All right. Last part here of this solo cast here. Uh, again, I'm going to be at IDEA 2024, the IDEA World Convention held in Los Angeles, California, July 12th through 16th. I would love to meet you there. If you're there, I think the best part about conventions or conferences are not the presentations. They're the networking uh, aspect, meeting different colleagues, spending time in person with people, having genuinely interesting conversations. I'm playing around with the idea of having some um, mobile microphones, things like um, lavalier uh, microphones, uh, so that uh, I can do some on-site interviewing with colleagues and uh, splice it up and put it into podcasts. Um, just grabbing people, we'll see. Uh, it depends on the time and stuff. But I think what a great opportunity to meet a lot of people and connect and chat with people. Um, the best time for me is going to be Friday. I believe it's, I can't let's see, the 13th, the 14th, Friday the 14th of July in the afternoon after my committee meetings. I'd love to just meet with people, probably just walk around, try to grab some of you that are there. And uh, so let's have some stimulating conversations. I think that's uh, really important. Again, please feel free to make sure you check out Dr. D's Social Network podcast. Um, super excited about where things are going. We're quickly approaching 9K in terms of downloads a month. I know that may not seem impressive if you, you know, you're listening to gigantic mega podcasts that are getting uh, millions of downloads a month. Uh, listen, the majority of podcasters are not doing that. You know, there is, uh, most of us are really scratching and clawing to get people to listen to what we're doing. Uh, it's essentially elite level podcasting and then everyone else here. So, but I'm very proud that we have, uh, reached that number and, uh, we're almost at nine K. We probably could get there by today. Um, hopefully next week we can start approaching 10 K. I want to grow this podcast. I want more people to hear it and really fine tuning it to make sure it's stuff you guys want to hear about, want to do some more things that I think make it interesting. I'm in the health and wellness business. I want to keep embracing that and talk to you guys about things that are really important uh, that make sense for that. So make sure you subscribe, listen, um, and spread the podcast to other people. If you know other people that want to listen to good information um, from just a very normal, relatable person here, then please uh, spread the podcast out that way. And then uh, also I'm excited that um, starting in August, I'm going to be teaching in community colleges again. It's really excited about that. Get back in with students and uh, work on that level of helping to influence our industry. So thank you so much for your time, your efforts, uh, your ears and listening. And uh, I'll be back with another episode before you know it.